This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! We've got the voice of the Razorbacks, Chuck Barrett, with us for a couple of segments. He is on our McClarty Daniel hotline right now. Chuck, good morning. How you doing today? Well, I'm doing well, boys. Hope you are, too. Doing well, man. I felt better this morning waking up knowing that Trevin Brazil's injury is just a good ankle sprain in Eric Musselman's terminology because I saw the sprain happen and I start gasping and I'm like, no, no, no. I I don't want anybody to get hurt, but it's almost like anybody but that right now. Sounds like he might be all right. I just wonder if he'll play for against uh, OU. Well, based on what I saw last night, uh, I would be, you know, I'm no doctor and I don't know what it's like today, but based on what I saw last night, I would think he would play. Um, I think this is a, it's a basketball ankle sprain. I mean, that's that's kind of the way I saw it last night. Now, again, I, I've not been around him this morning. I'm not saying it's not a big deal, but I don't think it's that big a deal. It's uh, you know, you with Patrick Mahomes, he had a little higher higher up on the thing, and, and the the thing that's that's different, Chuck, in in, in field that from basketball to to football is on football you can really tape up the outside of the boot too and you can really stabilize it a lot more basketballs you, you can't really get that outside part of it I, I don't know I think it'd be two days where he, he he's probably not moving on it and then it's it's you know those young kids do heal a little differently but I, I don't know that we should rush him back or anything no and I don't think they will uh the good news is it's Tuesday and you don't play again until Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. So that's why I say I, I'll I'll be surprised if he doesn't play. I mean, and I've been surprised before. Now, you know, if they had a game on Thursday or maybe even Friday night, um, I don't know. You know, it might be a little more iffy there. But, you know, he popped right up, and he was putting weight on it. And, again, I, I didn't get the sense, you know, look, sprained ankles, hurt i mean they do and um you know matt knows a lot more about the recovery time than a guy like me i can assure you but um you know i I didn't get the sense last night that this was anything that was going to be long term chuck uh uh, as far as khalif battle do you you think he's going to end up being uh our our leading scorer well i think he probably is because of the number of times he's going to get to the free throw line um, you know, you look at his free throw totals right now. I think he's already attempted somewhere around 70 free throws. Wow. Maybe even one or two more than that um, through nine ball games. So, I mean, you can do the math right there. And He's going to be a guy that's got the ball in his hands late. Um, whether they need a bucket or whether they need a foul and a couple of free throws. Um, or, you know, whether they're trying to hold the ball and the other team fouls is what I mean. Um, yeah, I think he's I think he's probably going to be the leading scorer, yes. Well, he's the energy guy. I'm, I mean, I always love this – is, this is one of the roles for Muss, the sixth man. Everybody's got a sixth man, but you can see how he views the sixth man. You know, it's somebody like, like Note or uh, Walsh at times or, or like Battle – 
that comes in off the bench, has a ton of energy, does something incredibly well. With Note, it was it was score at a high volume. I think that's what it is with Battle, too. But it's also an injection of, uh, I, I don't know what to call it. Enthusiasm? Just, yeah, there's an injection that, that you get when a guy like that comes off the bench. And for me, that's a, that's a typical Eric Musselman sixth man. Well, he's... Um you know, he can score, he can do a lot of things, and he can take over the ball game when he comes in. Uh, you know, Note played this role, um, I guess, two seasons, three seasons back, I guess it was. Um, Note played this role. In fact, Hogstats um, sent me a text last night during the game. This is the first time since Note that um, Arkansas has had a player come off the bench and score 20 points five times. That took Note a whole season to do it. Battle's done it in nine games. So uh, um, he's a pretty special player, and I do think his ability to get to the foul line is what you know makes him, makes him so valuable. You know, it's interesting. Arkansas had 51 points, uh, 51 bench points last night. Now, you know, Battle is essentially a starter, Mm-hmm. Um, say you take his 25 away, that's still 26 bench points, and that's pretty good. The thing really in the last two ball games, the punch, um, with the exception of Brazil, you know, Devo played a complete floor game last night, but the offensive punch, the scoring, has by and large come off the bench. Um, you know, uh, and... I don't know that it's going to be that way as we move through the remainder of the season, but you know I think he's beginning to find out, and I, I still believe we're going to see this thing pared down to eight or nine a game. We get into conference games and on into March, but I think we're figuring out who those, you know, who those guys are going to be. Chuck, I love as a, as a fellow play by play guy, I love that you get text from Hogstats during the game. I mean, we, we're, we, 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 will, we will take the, um, the information and the stats only from the experts, and he is. There's no doubt about it. But in football, you got Rick next to you. You know, you got Kaywood next to you, basketball too. But Hogstats coming in on the texts, that's, that's tremendous. I don't have anybody doing that for me for baseball. Who do I need to pay? He's... Um... He's the real deal now. now I, I, I think his specialty is basketball. Mm-hmm. But he, um, I mean, he knows his stuff now. And when he sends me something, I uh, I know it's right. Yeah. Chuck, Chuck, I, w- I was going to ask you about Lawson kind of stepping up. It seems like uh, over the last handful of games, he's he's kind of earning that playing time. Is is he going to be one of these bigs that? Because I, I I wonder about Mitchell if he's in it all the time. If he's if it's mental, if it's physical, if he, he kind of gets start and go. I don't know if it's a foul or if he messes. I I, I just don't know what happens uh, why he's not getting more minutes. But is is Lawson looking to be one of those guys that he's going to be getting twenty twenty five minutes a game? I think a lot of it's defense, particularly off the pick and roll. Um, you know, Makai was four or five from the floor last night. Uh, but I think he only played 13 minutes. Uh, Lawson had a career night. Now, Lawson's had nine block shots in the last two games. He had six against Duke. He had three more last night. Arkansas had ten blocks. Um, I think that's becoming a big part of what they do. And the thing about, the thing about Lawson, a couple of things. Um, Mus says he's as coachable a player as he's had. You know, that he's, uh, he's, he's, he's eager to be coached and taught every day. 
Um, he's a Memphis kid. First time he's ever lived out of the city. You know, and um, um, my sense when I talked to him last night was this was a young man that was uh, really enjoying his circumstances, was relaxed, was playing basketball. Everything was cool, so to speak. Um, but I'll tell you what struck me from a physical standpoint. This is the second point. You hear guys talk about wingspan, and sometimes it's just words. You know, you watch a guy, eh, you know, I guess he's got a 7-4, yeah, whatever. I'm going to tell you, when he sits in front of you, you see it. Um, from the shoulders all the way to the tips of his fingers. Um, he, he's, he's, you know, he's got that thin basketball player's frame, you know, almost skinny, um, until you get to the shoulders. And then it's, I mean, he just starts spreading out. And that wingspan's a real deal. And he jumps pretty well, too. So, yes, I think he's going to be a real factor I got to be honest, at the start of the year, you know, we heard about all these guys that were coming in. He's not one of the guys that people were talking about. Um, and yet there he's been pretty much in the starting lineup every time they play. And there's a reason for that. Yeah, he's the, he's the center. Yeah, he's the center. Brazil's a swingman. Lawson, I don't know if you have a, a true center. On Lawson and Mitchell maybe both sharing the duties there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Chuck, you got it. Yeah, those are two. your five guys right now. Those are your two fives. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to have guys that are going to defend and play tough. Mitchell will play tough, I think. Yeah, you absolutely. Saw him do that last year, and Lawson to me seems like he's uh, he's all toughness. At this game with Oklahoma on Saturday, uh, it's been a it's been a fun series. But I guess this will be the last time that it's played on a on a neutral site. Uh, but that that had the feel of a home game last year at the um, downtown in Tulsa, didn't it? Really, the Razorback fans kind of outnumbered the OU fans, if I remember. It's a fun game, and yeah, I think maybe Arkansas did last year. Um, I'll bet it's pretty close to even this year. But I'll bet our people outnumber theirs. Um, we're pretty good at finding tickets, but I think there'll be a lot of Oklahoma people there as well. Um, it's a good game. I mean, it's 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 been a good non-conference series. Obviously, it's going to be a league game now, and I wouldn't suspect it. Um, it would be anything but on-campus sites. Oh, maybe they can play in Tulsa. Um, hey, I, I would I would love to see Arkansas and Kansas play each other. I've always thought it would be great if we played them more often in basketball, even if it's Kansas State. Um, but. I think KU would be a really nice opponent there. I think we're playing at that level. Kansas has been at that level. When you look at what happened in the NCAA tournament last year, um, it'd be a heck of a game. I don't know that anyone's even, you know, I'm sure maybe it's crossing people's minds. I don't know if it has a chance in the world of happening. But, you know, if you were going to talk about something you'd like to see, um, I just hope they can continue to play there every once in a while. Yeah, but I mean, I think that you make a really you make an interesting point. Um, you know, when you're a program that expects to be Elite Eight, Final Four on a, on an annual basis, and I think I think that's kind of where Arkansas is right now. Um, there's a certain way that most of those teams schedule non-conference. Look, and you know, you're going to go somewhere for Thanksgiving and play two or three really good teams. Now you got the ACC SEC challenge. You're going to play a good team out of that conference annually, and and for me that leaves one game left to schedule. One game against a major opponent left to schedule. So 
that's I, I agree with. I mean, maybe you look maybe something contiguous or something, but they got to find a way to replace the Oklahoma thing because that's now SEC. But I, that, I, that's kind of how I view Arkansas. And you know, Duke schedules like that, Kansas schedules like that. They play a lot of neutral site games too. Go to New York and things like that. I don't know if the Hogs will do that, but I do think one more major non-conference series uh, would do the program good. Yeah, it's it's. Um... You know, I've mentioned Kansas a minute ago. Um, the reason that probably won't happen is because, you know, Kansas and Missouri, um, they renewed their series. In fact, they play one another this weekend, if I'm not mistaken, at the same time Arkansas is playing Oklahoma. Maybe you play Oklahoma State, um, you know, but it'd just be nice to have a presence there. I, I mean, look, I think your season is going to be fine without it. I wonder, and, and and I may just be totally off base here, I wonder if we won't see a time when maybe we play a conference game or two before Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Muss has kind of talked about how a lot of these mid-major games are going to go away. Um, they're just too risky. They're just too risky. And um, there's going to be more more Power 5, Power 5 games because, um, you know, we all know, for example, Greensboro is a good team, but what if Greensboro doesn't win the Southern Conference? What if they finish third or fourth in that league? Suddenly, you get penalized more for that loss than you would have. That Arkansas will be credited for beating Furman last night, um, unless Furman wins the league or maybe finishes second. So, um, you know, you look at what happened to some of the conference teams over the weekend, um, who they lost to. Um, I just think you're going to see more Power Five games, and maybe you'll see some conference games. But minus that, would be nice to see them. You know play another major game and I'll, I'll i'll bet if they keep performing at this level keep going to sweet 16s and elite eights um they're going to be invited to a lot of those games too celebrate the magic of christmas at the arlington resort hotel and spa in the historic venetian dining room this christmas eve or christmas day from 11 a.m to 3 p.m your christmas dinner includes a salad bar carving station hot buffet items and desserts featuring traditional and unique items over 12 dine for 58 dollars per person under 12 for 29 dollars and under six eat free reservations required must have a credit card to hold reservation call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com dining for reservations and complete menu items. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Right now, Eastside Liquor has a truckload of eggnog, winter seasonal beers, stouts and liquors, rum chata, moonshake creams, and more. Don't forget about the hog bourbon decanters. Come by the drive-thru or walk inside to see Dave and his team at Eastside Liquor, 9390 in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. Alyssa, how are you doing? These last couple of days for Florida State fans have been uh, <sighs> been pretty rough. But you... I, uh... let, let me ask you this though. Before the okay. before the committee made the announcement Sunday morning, yeah. did you expect this? You had to at least hold out the idea that this could happen. Uh yeah, I think no, I didn't expect it. Yes, obviously it could have been a possibility, but I kept coming back to would they really do like would they really do that? And and honestly they did. And and I can understand as a as a fan as an alum i got a lot of feelings right um i also think too you know the job that i have i i also understand that the sec is as strong as it is i just feel like you basically told that florida state defense who played lights out against louisville that they didn't matter 
that the other 21 kids who play on that field don't matter, and it was all Jordan Travis. And this isn't the offense that they were. Yeah, you're right. It's not. But in a month, Tate Rotomaker will play. And in a month, you can figure out a scheme offensively that works because your defense is playing so well. I think that defense is better than Washington. That defense could beat Washington right now. That defense could definitely give uh, Michigan a run for their money. And so they, I just felt like they weren't given a fair shot. And, you know, everyone's like, well, prove the committee wrong. And it's, they shouldn't have to prove the committee wrong. They showed up every single day and played and won, and that should matter. And for them not to have that opportunity to at least go out and see what they could have done that everything that happened during the regular season mattered is a problem for me. And I also feel like if you're going to sit here and say that Alabama is so much better than they were at the beginning of the year, which is true, and Florida or in, in, in Texas got in because they beat Alabama in the beginning of the year, well, if that is also true, then wouldn't that Alabama win not mean as much? Because that's an Alabama team that you beat that also almost got beat on the road at USF. So I've got a lot of problems, and I'm probably going to get on my soapbox, but that's how I feel today. It's a Jordan travesty. It is. Oh, did you just come up with this? You, were, you should have seen the look on Matt's face. The <laughs> wheels were turning there, Alyssa. He didn't come up with that on Sunday. He, he didn't come up with that just because you're here. That just hit him in the head right there. I love it, Matt. I love it. I'm on your side, Alyssa. <laughs> Thank you're you. on everybody's I, side. I, I appreciate it. And, you know, I... I, I, I totally understand the argument of the best teams, the best teams, but I just don't feel like you shouldn't give Florida State an opportunity to prove that they are still one of the best teams in the country through the adversity that they're going through. I just, and then look, it's not going to get any easier for them next year because there's two big leagues in this sport now, and I think that's become pretty obvious. 11 of the 12 top 12 teams are Big Ten or SEC next year. Florida State's the outlier. They're the only one, at least for now. Yeah. And I can't imagine that inside the academic, well, the athletic administration offices and overall the school offices, I mean, I mean those who run the whole university, I bet you they are finding, they're, they're, they're going to find a way out of the ACC. And if they yeah. don't, um, <laughs> they're going to have to find a way out, I think is the way they yeah, probably well, view it. And, and I think that you look at what Notre Dame is right now. You know, Notre Dame is an independent in football. The rest of their, their uh, sports are in the ACC, and that obligation allowed uh, in, uh, Notre Dame to be in a conference. They have to play six ACC games a year, but the rest of their football schedule is fine. Their other, their other sports are in the ACC. Soccer just won a national title yesterday. And so... Florida State and the other sports are doing just fine. It's with football, but I don't see how you just say, you know what, we're going to be an independent. And we're taking our football team independent, and we are going to schedule teams that we know will give us the best shot down the road because if they pull this strength of schedule, which, quite frankly, Michigan didn't play anybody either except for Ohio State, that they will never have that excuse ever again to use. And that's what I think they do. Well, let's uh, let's focus in here on um, on Arkansas, a team that okay. you know didn't have Thank to worry you. about that on su- <laughs> Sunday morning. Uh, we do know uh, there was there was no surprise that uh, when Sam Pittman said he expected more changes on the coaching staff, that the offensive line was 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 probably at least one of the position coaches that he was he was talking about. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and what do we know about, about Eric Mateos, the new offensive line coach, comes from Baylor. You know, you look at their rankings this past year, not great, but uh, they were better the year before. And, you know, do we always just go by, by, uh, by a coach's rankings on his, uh, on his, at his position specifically? <laughs> Can't always be like that. No, I mean, well, I mean, you think about it, guys. They brought in Kendall Bryles, who had come from Florida State when um, Sam Pittman got here, and Florida State's offense wasn't very good. They had uh, Cam Akers in the backfield, and that was about it. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, you have to look at, you know, some of those things that don't show up on stat sheets in terms of development. And, you know, you can only do so much sometimes with the people that you have on your roster at that moment in time. So how, what can he do when he can recruit at a higher level in the SEC when he's got guys who are going to be more talented coming in? How does he develop them? And I think that's the biggest question. And the biggest issue with Cody Kennedy was the developmental side of these guys. And so, you know, Mateos, is, it's, it's ironic, you know, he came from Baylor, but he was also the interim offensive line coach for Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl after Sam left. Uh, so he's well aware of, of you know, what he can do in, in, in Arkansas and, and Sam Pittman working with him for a year here. So uh, when he was here the first time. So, you know, I think Sam knew what he was doing when he went and got the next replacement for Cody Kennedy and being at the second offensive line hire for him, knowing that, okay, maybe these are some things that I didn't think were necessarily important to the first time around that I'm now going to overemphasize the second time around. Um, and, you know, again, I just feel like you have to give someone the benefit of the doubt until they prove you wrong on the field and not just jump all over a guy because of things that, you know, have happened at other teams with other circumstances that you just don't know all the details of. Alyssa, I was looking around at the the transfer portal uh, with AJ Green and Terry and Cardle and and, and Carter yeah. and Manuel, which I, I wonder if they make lateral moves. Uh, you know, there there is talent there. I, I wonder where they go. But everybody's kind of kind of wondering about KJ with the new OC coming mm-hmm. in. Uh, what what are your thoughts? And we I think there's been uh, seventy five quarterbacks already entered the portal. I don't know if there if if there's a timing thing. I don't know if they. They work it out where they're going to go before they enter, uh, but but yeah, what are you? What do you think the market is for KJ? I would love to see KJ back one more year uh, in an Arkansas uniform, but I also do think that if you were to look at a bigger picture and everything that KJ has given to this university, if he decides to leave, and let's say he goes to Mississippi State, who you know Will Rogers is in the in the transfer portal, that's okay too. He gave five years to this university. There are people who don't even stay five years at their jobs. And so it's understanding if he says, you know, I think I've done everything I can here. I want to go home, play in my home state my final year and see what happens. Uh, and I don't think that there's a bad or, you know, a positive or negative way that this could go because I think if that's the case, then Arkansas can go find someone who maybe fits Bobby Petrino and what he wants to do. Not that KJ doesn't. But it's able to give an opportunity for Bobby Petrino to kind of pick exactly what quarterback he wants to work for. So, you know, regardless of what KJ does, I really think that you have to look at it both ways and say if he comes back, what can Petrino do for him? But if he also leaves, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing for Arkansas either. Well, then, then it's about who's next, you know, and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
instead of well one more one last hurrah then it's then it's about who's next and there's and 70 I think at that point you're probably looking at it somebody that you hope is playing a couple years for you at least right well i was saying right. oh, go ahead Alyssa. oh no i was just saying i think you're absolutely right i mean i think you kind of look at you know what do you want to do or do you bring in a felipe franks who you know has just got one more year to see what happens yeah, Chris, I was wondering if, you, if you've seen enough out of Criswell, but then there is. There's 70 quarterbacks out there, and how much – How much, I, I want to see what Bobby Petrino, who he brings with them. If he brings any type of offensive lineman, does he still have the name where quarterbacks are like, hey, man, I want to go play for this this guy because he is such a uh, an established play caller? Yeah, and, and I would be really interested to see who he brings in, which is why – and this is not personal, but, but getting a new quarterback on campus isn't a bad thing. And with all of the options that are out there right now, you know, um, Oklahoma or Oregon State's quarterback, DJ, I cannot say it, so I'm not even going to try, but, you know, he, he was at Clemson too. last year and uh, or two years ago, then transferred to Oregon State. Now he's back in the transfer portal again. That You know, Will Rogers is out there as well. You've got a whole bunch of guys who that you could go and see could they fit in a Petrino system and bring them to Arkansas and see what happens. And I think that that's okay. But I also want to see competition in spring ball, Mm -hmm. competition in preseason camp. You know, I don't think there was any of that sort of competition at running back, certainly not at quarterback. You know, they'll say, well, he's going to earn being the number one. You knew who the number one quarterback was. You knew who the number one running back was going to be. I think he had some competition at wide receiver, um, but I want look competition's a good thing, and bringing somebody in here that just expects to start, well, that can actually lead to some complacency in some cases. I think you have to bring somebody yeah. in with the idea. Sure, we'd love to play you. Go win the job. We got a couple of guys here that we recruited here out of high school. They're going to get the same chance. You got to welcome us a moment like that, like Spencer Sanders going out of Oklahoma State. You can you can point at him and say, hey, he didn't really play much this year, but the guy took a chance. He didn't get on the field very much. But that might be one reason why Jackson Dart has been so good this year. He legitimately mm-hmm. won a job against a guy that was a starting QB for three years. Yep. And when was the last time we had a uh, a quarterback battle, truly, after Austin Allen left, right? And that was a mess. Um, and then, obviously, KJ won, won that job um, when he got here. But it's been a while. Again, KJ has been here for so long that that competition in that room isn't a bad thing to do and to have. And like you, to your point, um, you know, true iron sharpens iron. I mean, they said that all off season, but really like who was pushing who in the running back room, who was pushing who in the quarterback room. Um, Let's actually see what happens. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. 
Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Uh, Jason Lowell sent us a text uh, about uh, Mateos, the new uh, offensive line coach. He says he was uh, he was uh, the GA uh, during his first two years when uh, when he was one of the managers on the team. Really enjoyed his uh, company. Said he was really sharp, good coach. I think I think that he's also coming in specifically for a bump up in recruiting on the offensive line too, don't you think? Well, I feel like they, they, remember Danny Weston was out a week or two weeks ago. He said that Arkansas missed on a few tackles in this year's, in the upcoming freshman class um, and, and might've missed on some guys in the portal guys they were in on, but didn't get, Um, you know, you kind of, you got to get those guys, I think too. So it's not just necessarily the development. That's part of it, but it's getting better dudes on campus too. Yeah, you got to be a good recruiter, uh, but but yeah, you got to develop these kids. That's that's the thing. An offensive lineman, uh, most of them aren't expected to play for two or three years. So, it's it's how you develop them. It's how it's it's how you convey the message, uh, and, and how do you motivate them? How relatable are you? Uh, but absolutely, you, it starts. Uh, you you, you got to get the right guys in. Skip and Rogers asked, "What's with the linebackers transferring out? That's where you've been hit the hardest in the portal, and you lost uh, Chris Paul, Jordan Crook." And Manny Powell, uh, Crook is uh, what? I wonder what, what year was Crook? Crook's I think he okay. Was a sophomore. Yeah, I like Crook, Kendall and that's a, that's a shame that we lose we lose Crook. Chris, Chris Paul's an absolute stud. He can play anywhere in the country, so he he'll he'll get his choice of where he wants to go. Chris Paul Senior had hinted on social media that part of Pooh's reasoning for going into the transfer portal had something to do with a podcast that DJ Williams had come out with nothing that, you know, he wasn't angry at DJ or anything like that, but Williams had, had, had said he felt that he could see Paul being upset on the field with teammates feeling that the defense quit on him. And it was an effort thing in that case. And, and his father even sort of hinted to DJ Williams comments. I mean, we, we all know what we saw those last couple of SEC games it was a defense that had performed so much better up until the Auburn game, and it didn't make much sense. But maybe there's, there's part of the reason for it. By the way, nobody else has gone into the portal since, well, not a Razorback. There's probably been another hundred or so that went in the portal from the time we started the show. I think there were over a thousand players. Did I read that correct? Over a thousand players? Already? That, that went in yesterday, just yesterday. So there's, there's got to be over a hundred quarterbacks by now. <laughs> Yeah, you really think you're special, right? When you're a college football quarterback, you say, I'm going to go find another place to play and everybody's going to want me. Guess what? There's 99 of you in that portal right mm. now. Um, here's something very interesting. This morning, Charlie Baker, the former Massachusetts governor and the current NCAA president, I think he's only been president for a few months now, has unveiled a plan for a new subdivision within the framework of Division I athletics. You already have a different framework of Division I in football, FCS to FBS, 
and now it sounds like the the president of the association wants a whole different subdivision that would be able to directly pay players. We have now come around finally to the president of the NCAA advocating for direct payment of players from the university. This is what the plan encompasses. Um, Schools that decide to get into this new subdivision have the ability to compensate athletes directly through a trust fund and direct NIL payments. This trust fund would be called, quote, the Enhanced Educational Trust Fund, unquote. It requires $30,000 per year per athlete for at least half of the school's eligible athletes. I think there are a little more than 400 student athletes at Arkansas. So that means, let's just say 400, you get to do at least half of them. 200 times 30,000, you're coming up with $6 million per school per year. Now that's just Arkansas. That, that's based on you know, me throwing a number out there. Uh, you, have to, you have to be equal between men and women, so you're, you're beholden to Title IX. And this, this, um, this subdivision would create their own rules separate from the rest of Division I athletics that addresses scholarship limits and roster size and transferring and NIL. Schools would be able to enter into an NIL deal with their own athletes. They can't do that now. These collectives, you know, are separate organizations. In this case, you're doing away with the collectives and the money is just coming from the school. And any school can enter into an NIL deal with their own athletes. They can't do that now. There'd be no caps on athlete educational benefits either. And this, Matt, this is the sea change that I feel like we were all waiting is going to happen sooner or later. You know, we have this we have this whole dog and pony show about NIL and collectives, and it's not the schools paying them. Well, this, this does away with all of that, and it makes it, uh, to me, feels like it's a little more simpler. But it's only for schools that would be able to pony up that sort of money directly to the athletes. Yeah, it sounds like maybe there might be a cap or something where it's like, hey, if you if everybody's getting the, a certain amount of money, uh, I, I wonder how good or bad the product to be though. That's 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 what it comes down to. How are you how are you consuming this product? You know, where are you getting your money from? Uh, if it's if it's you know you got to be. There's only so many players that are good. You know, it's 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 what uh what level are you wanting to see? You know, where where it's it's kind of. The haves and the have-nots, but but what are they? They're going to be a division. I mean, what what really are they going to be? Is this something where like Alabama is going to go to, or is this something that like you're getting directional schools? Well, I think it's. I mean, it's it's supposed to be for the higher resource, the higher financial resource. So like a super league schools. or something like kind they're going like to. That's exactly right. They're going to they're going to try to take the top thirty or the top fifty. Uh, this, this is you know I remember a year ago, two years ago, and you're just kicking around what college football could look like in the future. And, and it felt like, I mean, why do we have, why do we have these, these, these leagues now that cross the country for football, which maybe for football can make sense, but for basketball, baseball, all these other sports does not make sense. You need something to, 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 to take college football away from the rest of the sports. This doesn't really do that. But this, this also does provide potentially like this, 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 you're calling it, well, I mean, this is, it's really basically about the schools that have the money to pay players. It doesn't, I, I don't know, it doesn't have to be like a school like Alabama. It can be anybody. Anybody that can come up, and it depends on how many athletes you have on campus, right? 150, you got to come up with uh, 75, 
75 times uh, 30,000. In that case, you got to find a way to uh, well, to come up with, uh, you know, $2.2 million. Yeah, and then you have your own other Ar- University of Arkansas that's just the football program, huh? That, that's right. why you're going to have start having these academies, Alabama Academy. That, that mm-hmm. it's just it's just going to be football, so you don't have to come up with money for for all the other sports. I did wonder that at some point this is just the direction it was going to go to. You know, I mean, this, the athletic I've, I've heard from athletics directors, you know, uh, that that uh, eventually you're getting to the you're going to get to the point where the where the schools are paying the players, and and that's exactly what this is. Well, you call it a trust fund, call it NIL. At this point, is it really NIL? Unless you're already these athletes already are giant billboards for the university three hours a day on Saturdays. Uh, so, <laughs> are you paying them for that? Because, or are you paying them for play? You know, some people have said, "I'll never get in on college football or college sports if it's pay for play." You know, now it's pay for whatever you deem NIL is. You know, whether you do an interview or you just get the money by putting out some posts on Instagram or whatever. This here is direct pay for play. And it is an overdue conversation to have about college sports. So it's just kind of jarring to see. Think about all the years that the NCAA has been fighting against athletes getting any sort of payment. I mean, it was just how many years ago that you get your Alston payment of like $5,000 for academic purposes. They fought that. Uh, and now the actual president of the association that is supposed to be governing over all this amateurness is finally advocating for direct payment of players. This does not, by the way, create an NFL system. What this does is you schools in the new subdivision, you can now come up with your own rules about how this Subdivision is structured. Scholarship limits, roster limits, coach counters, transfers, all of that stuff. They would have to figure it out. This also seems to me, Matt, like it's an idea that's probably like five or six years away because there would be a lot of arguing, a lot of negotiation going on. But the Hogs could come up with $6 million to pay players on an annual basis. I feel pretty confident about that. Not if they're going to go one and seven every year. Well, then there's that. Yeah, then that's also a part of you'd expect return on investment, <laughs> which I don't know if anyone's ever said that in college sports before. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! 
Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey & Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Radio host on WNSR Nashville Sports Radio 6 to 9, Monday through Friday, and the king of college football talk. Bill, we have our four playoff teams ready to go. Um, do you have any argument with what the committee selected? And uh, has college football ever been about fairness? I have an issue with how the committee presented everything to begin with. They got the right teams in there, I, I do believe. But what they should have said three, four weeks ago when Jordan Travis got injured is this could be a problem. We will monitor them. We'll see how they play. If their offense starts to deteriorate, that is something this committee will have to take into consideration. But no, they didn't sell it that way. They sold it. No, we don't even talk about that. We're not even considering Jordan Travis and the injury. That's not even a conversation we had, which is a lie. It's, yeah. it's, it's the lack of transparency and the inability to communicate, which is the problem here. It is a problem. It is a problem. He's not healthy and you're not as good. That's a problem. Yeah. Did you see uh, um, Heather Dinich at an, an article on ESPN.com this morning? She was in on the meetings. She spoke with the yeah. committee members, and one of them flat out said, you know, they, they point to a clause about uh, injuries that affected player or team performance during the season and the ability to take those injuries into account for future performance. So that's exactly what they did. And you just never expect somebody to come out on television and tell you the truth. You just wait until you can be an anonymous source. Well, and and I'm not a committee format fan. I said it before the 14th season. I still say it. It's not about the individuals. It's about the format. But, I mean, if that's the format, the committee, the basketball committee, docked Cincinnati that year that Kenyon Martin blew his knee mm-hmm. and they were going to be a one seed. I mean, that's what are you supposed to do? Yeah, I don't think they made it that I – don't, I don't think they made it to the Sweet 16 that year. But no. I, I remember watching that team. And, yeah, Kenyon Martin was, was such a force. Um, speak, speaking of forces, the, you know, the, the, the Heisman, they, they, they said the, the four guys are bringing Harrison Jr.'s. Harrison Jr., sorry, Daniels, Knicks, and Penix. I got Penix winning it. I, I mean, just he, he kind of – whatever I thought of him after watching him play, and I know you're right, Bill, but Washington has those two stud receivers. But, man, just to be able to get it done and how accurate he is, uh, what are your thoughts? Who should win the Heisman? If I still had a vote and I quit about five years ago, I'd vote Jaden Daniels. Uh, and Penix is fantastic. I, it's not a bad vote. I would probably stress over that. It wouldn't shock me to see Penix win it because that group that votes does tend to favor the team with a better record. Not in every case. Obviously, exceptions. But this team's 13-0. and They beat Oregon twice. And LSU's got three losses. So I do think that could absolutely be taken into account. 
I see so many people on social media, Bill, that are just so proud that they're Heisman voters that they have to put it on their profiles. Uh, why'd you give up the vote? Because I don't care. I just, I mean, I just, I'm not an award season guy. Now, when I was years and years ago offered the opportunity, I thought you went to yourself to do this, and I took it seriously. And it, I, when I had that vote, I took it seriously. But I just didn't care. It's not important to me. And frankly, I disagreed with some of the voting. Not that it matters. One voice out of what? A thousand voters, whatever the number is. Just, I, I thought somebody who cared about it more deserved that vote than me. Who's the best pro out of that group? Is it, is it Harrison Jr.? And if he is, but then out of those quarterbacks, uh, who, who do you think? Now, you're, you're saying who do you think projects is the best player, not who's going to be drafted the highest, right? Y- yes, sir. Who, who do you think out of that group is going to have the best NFL career? I don't think any of those quarterbacks are difference makers. Caleb Williams didn't get invited, right? No, no. It's Bo, okay. Nick, Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels, and Michael Penix uh, are your three quarterbacks with right. Harrison Jr., yeah. Probably Harrison Jr. I think I think that's an easy... As you know, because you you lived it, quarterback's a hard projection. I I think the receiver he's he's got every measurable and every ability you need. Yeah, I'd go with the receiver. Let me let me stay with Ohio State for a moment. We we briefly talked about uh, Kyle McCord going into the transfer portal, and and a lot of times it's not the athlete's choice necessarily. He might have been told something that spurs him getting into the portal. Do you have any sense of why Ohio State's starting quarterback is in the portal? That happened five minutes before airtime Monday morning for me. 5.55, I saw that. It had just been broken, the story. I would assume, and based on conversations I've had, they had a end-of-the-season evaluation like it was, and it went something like, we'd probably love to have you back, but there are no guarantees, and we are going to be ultra-aggressive in the portal, which to me means you don't have a good chance to hang on to that job. They're going after Cam Ward, the kid from Washington State, who's really, really good. They're going after Riley Leonard a little bit, who's visiting Notre Dame tomorrow. I think Notre Dame gets him. But they're going to get a dude that's better than what they had out of the portal, and I think he saw that, Kyle McCord. Bill, give me, give me who's going to be playing for the national title, uh, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, Washington. Who, who, who wins those two games? I wouldn't bet you much, but I'm going to say Alabama-Texas rematch. I would not have said that when they played earlier in the year, but that is what I would wager on if I had to. Can Alabama, well, do we, want to, we will have plenty of time to preview that when the game actually does come. So I was going to say, do you think Alabama can, guard, uh, can, uh, can cover a little better than they did the first time around? Well, good luck. It's been tough for anybody to cover I, Texas I, as receivers. Right, and I, and I like Michigan's front seven, but it, do they have enough speed to, to, to match up with what Alabama's doing? But that front seven, I think, can, can cause some problems for Alabama. No question. Uh, Michigan's a uh, favorite. They were up around two and a half. I think it's down, bet down some to around one, and I haven't, I haven't looked at it today. I tell you, underrated, and maybe not underrated, but maybe for the general audience, the two D tackles at Texas are just freaking vicious. They are. That's the best pair of tackles I've seen this year, and they're much more sturdy in the line of scrimmage than they've been. This is this is the first year since '09, guys. Colt McCoy, where all the talk about Texas is back, actually was right for the first time in about 14 years. It's right. 
Bill, I mean, it feels like they're coming into the SEC just ready to go. You know, Sark's a monster recruiter. He's a great play caller. Uh, they're, they're starting to layer those classes. I've heard you use yep. that term before, you know, layering great classes. That's why Georgia and Alabama are always so good year after year. Ohio State, Texas is doing that now. They're come, two years ago when Arkansas played them, you're like, they're not ready for the SEC. Well, yeah, they are now for sure, and they will be for the future. Arkansas bullied them. And and that was a very physical, good Arkansas team. They bullied it. And Quinn Ewers, quarterback, so valuable. All indications are he's coming back. And that kid has – I had a lot of people tell me coming out, and he was some people's top-ranked guy, he's going to be a bust. No way. This guy's got too much arm talent. He's got phenomenal arm talent. They're going to get another year out of him, and they're going to do very well in the portal. They're signing another incredible class. They are coming. There was a worry a year or two ago by Texas privately that they were they were scared they were going to come limping into this league. That is not the case. Tell me where you feel, and you know, the season's not over, but the, the, the job that Nick Saban has done with this year's Alabama team, you know, left for dead after the second week. A quarterback who bench in the next game, right? Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, and and you just weren't you weren't sure what you were going to get out of him. An offensive line that you know Milrow got chased around the entire season. Um, a running game that really was kind of based on 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 Milrow specifically. And your best way to move the ball was through the deep ball, but they're able to do it. And just, I mean, it's just uh, he's an amazing coach. I know your I know your vantage point is he's the greatest coach in college football history. Where where do you put his seventeenth season at Alabama? I'm leaning towards his best coaching job ever. He had that we all guys discussed at nauseum a myriad of things that needed fixed, not just quarterback. And I mean in-season fixed, guys, a laundry list, lines of scrimmage, quarterback play. Need some guys to start making plays at wide receiver, stickier secondary. They've checked every box, guys, during the season. Those fixes in season are very difficult. Now, does he have dudes to do it with? Yeah, I'll give him that. But you still have to fix it. I think this is arguably the best, whether they win it all or not, coaching job that he's done. When you're looking at Arkansas and, and getting that offensive coordinator as as Bobby P did and, and the transfer portal that's that's going on, what, what do you think that, that – that does for KJ. Do you think KJ stays here? And does Bobby uh, Petrino, does he have that name where he's going to be able to get a couple guys, a couple four or five stars and pluck some guys out of the portal that still want to come play for him? He is a masterful quarterback coach, as we know. And I think all that's on the table. I don't know. I'm not there, obviously, guys. So I couldn't tell you what KJ's thinking. But it may be in his best interest, too shop which which i know is 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 ongoing that decision but i would assume because of bob petrino they'll get a dude out of out of the portal that that kid one of my good friends who's on with me every friday coached many years at notre dame minnesota arkansas pete cordelli he was on he was on that staff in 78 for that famous oklahoma win when they suspended the players tells tells a great story about that but anyways the, the young quarterback at the uh, Arkansas State, Jalen Rayner, this year's a freshman. He's a North Carolina kid. Pete Cordelli thinks is an absolute SEC dude. 
and uh, doesn't think that that kid, he's going to play their bowl game, but he does not think that kid's going to stick around, and he's going to get poached like crazy. I would be looking at him. I want to I finish on, you brought up something with, with Petrino here, Matt, um, in his, I guess, yeah, he mentioned it in the press conference, but it was also in a podcast uh, just after the hiring became official. Uh, he talked about uh, Jimbo made him use Jimbo's terminology for Petrino's offense, you know, and I th- I'd read also, um, you know, there's some of this stuff just now coming out about how Jimbo's such a control freak that they traveled Thursdays for Saturday road games and spent the entire yeah. Friday in the hotel. Uh, these are just two examples of uh, of somebody that just wasn't going to give up control. That's got to be. I mean, the record is one thing, but they would have. There there are some schools in the Southeastern Conference that would would have had parades for for the record that Jimbo Fisher had. The money obviously is one thing, but it also sounds like he's just really difficult to work with. Not that old, but he's turned into a curmudgeon. If, if that's if that's the case, and I read the same thing you did. That's that's a difficult transition right there, and uh, so so you're going to conform. I'm bringing you in here, paying you for two years, lots of money, but we're going to make you completely change the language of of your system. That's tough. I mean, that is <laughs> that's difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, I just wonder if he's going to get a, if he's going to get hired again at some point, or if he even wants to at that point, because you get this money to kind of sit around and do what you want with. I don't know if I'd have Jimbo on television because he talks too fast, Bill. I mean, you got to slow down when you're on TV, don't you? He can rapid fire, no doubt. Now, he'd probably be entertaining. He's a happy guy for the most part in front of the camera, and he's making so much. I can't imagine. First of all, I don't think a high D1's going to hire right now, and he's got $75 bucks coming yearly at the tune of about $8 million a year. I just, I'd chill for a couple of years at least. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.